You know, the one thing that a lot of fans really get, you know, on Ken Penders about during his run is what he basically has revealed post-run on social media. And that is the fact that he had two similar situations planned, you know, out for the uh, characters of Sally Acorn and Bunny Rabot. Now, you might understand exactly what moments I'm talking about. I mean, one, he pretty much indicated, you know, basically did take place in the comic itself, you know, by saying the uh, moment in 150 where Bunny and quote-unquote Sonic, who was actually evil Sonic, later to be known as Scourge, you know, you know, were waking up from a nap at night, he kind of indicated that, you know, something, you know, unique happened there or at least backed it up. And then, of course, the most infamous you know, thing that Ken has indicated at was a certain story that he wanted to, I guess you could say, make official when it came to you know, the comic book and Sally Acorn and another character that he created called Joffrey or Joffrey, you know, St. John. And that is basically Sally's innocence being taken by Mr. St. John. Yeah, and obviously this leads to the biggest question a lot of fans have even to this day. Why? Why was he so obsessed with doing this? Or why did he want to do this? Why did he indicate and hint that the moment in 150 between Bunny and who she thought was the actual Sonic at the time, why was he hinting at the fact that, yeah, that happened, that you know, that uniqueness, that one moment in time occurred, and Bunny indeed had her innocence taken from someone she thought was her friend? Or why was he even considering doing it with Joffrey and Sally for a potential story in an all-ages comic? Well, I think I know what the answer, I think I may know the answer to that, and it's an answer I've pretty much, and others I've feel will pretty much agree with me on, but it's also an answer, like I said, that I've come up with on several occasions. And that answer is Ken Penders is the kind of guy, the kind of comic book writer, storyteller, that wants a comic book and its characters, whether they're original characters or characters based off another franchise in which the comic book is licensed to bring to life. Ken has the mentality of growing the comic up along with its readers. So basically, you know, the readers and the comic don't lose each other to basically growth and maturity. That if there's still investment there, you know, between the two, or at least the readers, the fans to the comic, that by making it grow up along with the fans, you know, making the, the stories and the characters more mature and everything would help its longevity. And that is something to really, you know, really give him credit for in a sense that, yeah, if you want to keep a comic book with very popular, beloved characters, you know, in the hands of those that are growing up with it, then you have to have the comic and the characters with, you know, within grow up along with the reader and make the stories a little bit more mature and a little more enticing and more, you know, basically borderline PG, PG PG-13 maybe. But when it comes to these two areas, these two gray areas, if you will, there's a difference between trying to make a comic 
borderline PG, PG-13 to have it grow up and mature along with your audience that's been growing up and maturing along with it. And then it's trying to basically really jump the shark and have it go from legitimately G all the way to R, if you will, or borderline R, by indicating that two of the most popular female characters in the franchise, even if they're not playable in games, basically had their innocence taken you know, from them, or would have had their innocence taken from them, had one story become official. And to me, I think that's why Ken wanted to go this route. He wanted to basically say, hey, you know, even a licensed comic like Sonic, and by extension, Sonic, uh, by extension, uh, the Knuckles comic, if you will, not Universe, that was under Ian Flynn, but by extension, the main Sonic comic, its various spinoffs, and even the Knuckles comic, which ran for almost 40 issues, that basically they cannot be. I guess you could say limited to being all ages. That in time, those all ages, if you will, most of the kids are going to grow up and mature and want to move on to more mature stories and mature comic books. So why not have the comic book that they're growing up with do the same thing? But like I said, there's a difference. There's a difference, basically, um, between going from G to borderline PG, or basically going from G to PG, borderline PG-13, to literally jumping the shark and going from G and leapfrogging, jumping-wise, over the two other ratings right into borderline R territory with the, uh, with, you know, the hint that Bunny and Evil Sonic did the deed, as well as, you know, admitting years later that you wanted to do something identical, if not more so, visually, with Joffrey and Sally uh, when it came to the comic. So to me, I think, honestly, that's why, you know, Ken Penders did what he did. You know, I'm not trying to defend the guy, no. Because, as everybody has pointed out, this is an all-ages comic he wanted to do this, you know, as a part of. You know, this is an all-ages comic where he hints in his final stories, you know, on it, that Bunny Rabot um, had done the deed, had her innocence taken by someone that thought was her friend. And you have to realize at a time, too, the storyline consisted of Bunny thinking that Antoine had broken things off with her because, you know, he had a change in attitude. He suddenly got a scar from being in battle and all that, not realizing... You know, not realizing that just like the Sonic she had her innocence taken from uh, with was the evil doppelganger from Anti-Mobius, but, you know, later known as Moebius. You know, she didn't know or realize that the Antoine that had the scar, had a change in attitude, had broken things off with her, was also the evil doppelganger of her Antoine, of the real Antoine from Anti-Mobius, Moebius, sent there by anti-sonic, you know, later known as Scourge, because Patch, as he would be known uh, later on, wanted to get rid of evil Sonic Scourge because he and the other uh, suppression squad, um, you know, suppression squad, anti-freedom fighters, were sick and tired of evil Sonic, a.k.a. Scourge's, uh, jerkiness and self-centeredness and basically like, hey, I'm, I'm, it's all about me and nobody else kind of deal. So, so yeah, you know, basically, 
You know, this is why Bunny was put into this situation. But when you, but again, you get down to it and you look at that, and then you lit, and then you hear what he or ha, he had planned later on, or even before that with Sally and Joffrey. It's like again, you have to wonder why would he want to go this route? And again, like I said. He probably had the belief that if the comic was going to survive, if the comic was going to maintain its long-time readers as they grew up, it had to grow up along with it. But as I mentioned, there's a difference you know, from taking it step by step from G-rated to PG-rated to borderline PG-13 to literally going from G and leapfrogging over to borderline R with what he wanted to do or even hinted at. Now, I'm not saying... I'm not saying that the panel that hints at that moment between Bunny and quote-unquote Sonic, if you will, was borderline R. I could see it was more borderline, if not legitimately PG-13 in some areas there, because as others like Cyberpunk Jordan would point out, the dialogue it was it seemed to be changed a little bit in those panels, basically indicating that there was something different that was originally meant to be said, you know, between the characters, but had to be changed because it's an all-ages comic. But again, you look back at all of this and you wonder to yourself, why? Why did he want to do this? You know, I mean, it's understandable you want the comics to grow up with your audience, but there's other ways of doing it. And I think I think it's the I think the other reason is because he wanted to see what he could get away with. I mean, it's you know, I'm, again, I'm not trying to defend Ken in these you know decisions or ideas he wanted to come up with, but you know, just like any comic book writer that works on a licensed comic book based on an established franchise, you know, they want to see how far they can get away with stuff when it comes to these licensed characters. They want to see how much you know they could push the you know. You know, push the envelope, you know, if you will, before they pretty much get cut off. They want to see how far they can, you know, be allowed to go um, over time. You know, that's what they that's what they try to do. And Ken, I think, is in that category as being a comic book writer. You know, that wants to see um, how far he can he can take things, like how far he can go before you know he's cut off. Uh, but excuse me, by the people that you know are publishing the comic and those that are licensing the franchise to be published, and I think that's what he was doing here, just like any other comic book writer. But like I said, he, you know, just like any comic book writer, he wants to see how far he can go before he be before he gets cut off, before the publisher and the licensee says enough, you know, no more, you know, you're going a little too far with this. And I think that's why he would do certain things. And that's why I think he did, well, originally wanted to do the panel with Bunny and Evil Sonic waking up from the nap and have it, you know, have the dialogue the way I think I and others think it was originally meant to be, but then was changed because it'd be going a little too far. You know, this is why I think, you know, he was shot down with maybe, you know, the proposed idea of going the route he wanted to with Joffrey and Sally. You know, it's because he wanted to see how far he'd be willing to go before he was cut off. I think this also, I think this also led to the fact that he was let go. It wasn't just because of the behind the scenes issues and all that, you know, with Sega and all of them and Archie and all that. No, 
I think it's mainly because of the fact that he wanted to basically do more with the comic, do more with the characters uh, than he was allowed to do, uh, allowed to do with. Uh, before they basically said, "No, we're not. We're not letting you do that. We're not letting you, you know, go that far uh, with our characters or with this comic because this is not, you know, an adult comic. This is not a mature comic. This is not a comic that gets a rating of T or M or T plus us and all that. You know, that allows you to do a little bit more, have a little bit more leeway. No, this is an all ages comic based on an all ages franchise." And the characters along with it, so I think that may have been part of what you know you know caused him to leave. You know, it wasn't because of behind the scenes reasonings, you know, and all that. I think it's because they wouldn't allow him to do what he wanted to do any further than you know he was, you know, hinting at in certain areas. But yeah, I think that's why when you look at when you look at the moment in 150 with him and Bunny. Oh, with Bunny, I should say, an evil Sonic. I should say, with Bunny Rabot and evil Sonic, who she thought was the real Sonic. And then you look at what he indicated, you know, years later, of what was one of his original ideas. And again, I'm not defending the guy, but I think, you know, just like other writers before him, you know, in other platforms, he wanted to try to grow the comic up along with his audience by trying to insert certain mature moments that would be on their, you know, mental uh, capacity level of understanding and accepting. And I think that's why he did what he did in very subtly with Bunny and Evil Sonic and why he wanted to basically, you know, try to do or at least proposed to try to do as a story, Joffrey and Sally's situation as well. But that's just my opinion. My, that's just my opinion. Again, you know, I'm not defending the guy, but the thing is, he does put himself in a category where a lot of other writers before him would be, you know, would you know, attempt to do this, be allowed to kind of get away with some things, but then be cut off in certain areas. And I think that's where Ken... And I think that's what Ken kind of, you know, is at when it comes to why these moments happen. You know, they didn't just, you know, happen. They didn't just happen because, oh, he wanted to be twisted and sick and all that. You know, you could believe that all you want, and that's fine. I think the reason he wanted to do it mainly was because he wanted to see how far he could go with getting away with certain things, but also try to grow the comic up more along with its already established audience that's been growing up along with it. That's just my opinion. You know, that's just my opinion. But what do you guys think? What are your thoughts on it? Down, let me know down below and in the live chat during the premiere. Like the video. Check it out also in B.W. Ross's discussions on all your favorite audio podcast platforms except for Pandora. Also, ladies and gentlemen, check me out at Venmo at Brian-Walmer. Dash two and at Cash App at BWRoses98. Check me out at patreon.com slash BWRoses with a $1, $3 tier. Also check me out at divanart.com slash BVW1979. Also at Vimo at BWRoses for content you can't get anywhere else. And also click on, if you're watching on YouTube, click on the upper left-hand corner to check out the Teespring store for merchandise you can't get anywhere else either. But guys, let me know what your thoughts are. You know, how do you feel about it? Do you agree with with some of the things I point out? Let me know. And until next time, I'll talk to you all later.